Today is November 22nd. This is episode 87 of Back to Normal. So let's get started. All right, today we are going to spend some time talking about news that came out on, I guess it was last night, uh, yesterday morning, yesterday anyways, November 21st, um, talking about um, a protest that was going on at the corner of Laurier and Mackenzie King, no, Laurier and Nicholas Streets in Ottawa. And uh, this, this protest that started on Thursday, uh, taking place inside that intersection, it was a peaceful demonstration and ended very abruptly Friday overnight going into Saturday. Um, so this was a demonstration in support of Black and Indigenous lives. And when I first heard about this, um, basically, the idea was for this demonstration, they, they took up camp basically inside this intersection, which is about a block, maybe a, like a long block away from City Hall, um, is that it's a fairly important intersection and there's a lot of, you know, um, trucks and things that use that route. Um, and they, I would say, having looked at some of the pictures and video and stuff, um, they weren't necessarily blocking the intersection. They were really just disrupting traffic. Like that was the goal of this um, protest was to disrupt traffic. And um, like basically police had shut it down. Um, police had like taped off the intersection due to the, the protest. And when I first heard about this, um, honestly, my first thought was this is this seems like a useful way to really cause a disruption to, you know, just normal traffic patterns, daily life, because that that it seemed like a proportional response. One of the main things, one of the groups that was putting this on was the Justice for Abdurrahman um, Coalition, I believe it's called. Um, like the the point of protesting systemic racism is that I think a lot of people who are either part of this or privy to this system that is racist uh, don't necessarily realize that it, in everyday life they are benefiting from it. And so I thought it was a really... Um, it was a really apt protest because it's a disruption of to something that you don't even think about, like being able to cross, like being able to get through an intersection um, and having the intersection just be closed. It's it's an interesting way to like just be there every day and recognize. Um, and one of the, the so the the stated goal of this demonstration was to um, basically be there until community leaders, city council would agree to meet with them. And basically, give them an ear to talk about their issues. And um, we had heard that on on Friday night, we had heard that um, city council, some members of city council, and one of the um, one of the boards that uh, what was it called, police services board, I believe. Yeah, the police services board um, had agreed to meet with them. Um, Again, this is in quotes for the purposes of a constructive dialogue at noon on Saturday. So it's basically almost two days after 48 hours after they had set up uh, the protest. And um, one of the councillors who is on that board um, is the newly elected councillor from my former riding, uh, Ralston King, um, the first black city councillor in Ottawa's history. And so honestly, I thought like, you know, you had achieved your stated goals. This is really good. We're going to be able to talk about this. There was actually an issue on Thursday afternoon in the news. Um, again, because they had shut down this intersection, there were people basically before the police intervened and tried to and like cordoned off the entire area. Um, there were people shown on vi like they had video of people 
basically trying to drive right through the protest. And so one of the things, one of the the things that is important about a protest is that it's supposed to be disruptive to your normal life. And it's supposed to make you think and recognize um, whether it's whether it's a cause you agree with or not. It's supposed to make you face something that you what is otherwise uncomfortable or something like that. And um, so people were basically coming to the pro- the protest. And I think it seemed like trying to do a U-turn to leave and, and um, you know, go back to where they came from or find an alternate route to wherever they were trying to go or whatever. Um, and the the nice thing about that is that we have as a people generally recognized that when you are in a car and there's somebody on foot, a pedestrian or something like that in front of you, whether they're whether they're in a car, whether on a bike, whatever, it is considered morally wrong and incomprehensible to me, honestly, to hit that person with your car. And there's no situation wherein you are going to like people are going to recognize why you did what you did. If you hit somebody with a car, um, whether or not you're moving slowly, if somebody is standing in front of your car, you do not hit them. That's a moral certainty. And it's one of the reasons that makes these um, protests so powerful is that all they have, all these protesters had in that situation was them, their bodies, their physical bodies um, trying to disrupt traffic. Like that was their only goal. And honestly, um, in 99% of situations, you're going to be fine in disrupted traffic. That's, that's the point of the protest. Um, construction disrupts traffic. It's not, it's not the end of the world if you have to go a different way to get somewhere or if you have to wait a little while to get somewhere. Um, and one of the cars, at least one, um, again, was like pushing through humanity, pushing through people protesting with their car. And honestly, as soon as you've done that, you've lost any credibility. You've lost any kind of moral high ground in, try- in terms of trying to say, oh, you know, I, I was just trying to get somewhere like you don't go through humans in your car to get somewhere. That's just not a thing you do. It's not that important. Wherever you're going is not that important. And so already it was th- this is where these uh, where these groups were coming from that were doing the protesting. Um, they were being faced with, again, people trying to drive through them. And again, until I, I believe um, police had cordoned off the entire area and just basically said, don't even go down this road because there's a protest at the end of it. Um, and so all of this, this is all under the specter of what had been going on. The the um, the groups, the protests had brought tents. And so they were basically camped out in this um, intersection until they were given an ear. And we found out again on Friday that they were going to be meeting with city council on Saturday. And so basically the plan was to stay there until that happened. And then we woke up, well, I woke up on Saturday at least to find that in the middle of the night, literally the dead of night, um, that police had come. And honestly, there was video and it was literally, it looked like at least two dozen, if not like 50 police officers had been called to this intersection in the middle of the night stating that there was disruptions, um, safety issues, which I mean, yes, it's a protest in the middle of an intersection that that is a safety issue. But honestly, systemic racism is a much bigger safety issue um, saying that there's a, a traffic disruption. But like, honestly, if they've if you know, if it's been stated publicly that there's going to be a meeting the following day, why are you doing this in the middle of the night? It is so sketchy. It is so such bad optics. I mean, first of all, to arrest them at all. But it's such bad optics to do it in the middle of the night after they've already agreed. They've already said, we're going to meet with these people. We're disbanding this at noon. 
And apparently, like, so as it turned out, a dozen people were arrested. Um, and man, it this is so much a an exact representation of the kind of discrimination that is being faced by these people and what they're protesting, um, that they were arrested. And by now, now it's Sunday, one day later, um, all 12 people charged have been released and um, there have been a warning received. But basically, the, the protesters um, have said that they were given 10 minutes. The police showed up. They said, you have 10 minutes to pack up. And when they couldn't, because they had been like, it was the middle of the night. They had been sleeping. Um, it was they, like they were they were arrested and these 12 people were arrested. So honestly, first of all, the number of police, the police response ha- is like way too much. It's way too many officers. And honestly, I, I'm looking, I, I can't imagine, I can't see how um, I watched the video and I wasn't specifically looking for it. Maybe I should watch it again. Um, I just don't see how a, a non-white police officer would be involved in this. Um, who is asking for this? Uh, who's like who's sitting there itching to go and and stand there like honestly it, they just ha- it was a line of policemen like I, I wouldn't say they were armed to the teeth or anything but like wearing big like bulky police suits like they it wasn't just a regular uniform it was it was such a, a show of power more than actual necessity of dealing with the problem that was at hand the the quote-unquote problem that the that the protest um had had shown been shown to be it was such an over response and it was just a perfect encapsulation of why these protests were happening and why they need to continue happening, like why it's not over yet. And so basically what happened was once the once the protests, um, once the protesters had been arrested and brought to um, the main um, police, uh, Ottawa police branch on Elgin Street, um, is that obviously that brought an even larger protest to right outside the police station. and like demanding not only justice now but the release of these people um it it's such a it's such a demonstration of white supremacy and systemic racism to charge people protesting systemic racism and the lives of black and indigenous people to arrest people for mischief for protesting it it it's just it's almost like that's why these laws exist is to give police carte blanche to do what they did like that's that's what this is and honestly i really hope that some kind of dialogue comes from this um there's a quote here from Catherine mckenney and they have been uh they said they've been compelled to show solidarity solidarity with protesters as a city councillor and i totally get that um because there's certainly no compulsion to support the police in this case i don't think i don't see how anybody could look at this and think oh yeah the police were totally justified in coming and breaking up this protest in the middle of the night um the day before they were supposed to meet with community leaders and so i obviously as a result of this the the group um called off their meeting with the board um the police services board but it does seem like um city councillors themselves are going to attempt to meet with the um uh, with city council and so honestly i am really hoping that this leads to a productive discussion because it seems like city councillors are still very much wanting to meet with the group and the police services board which that that meeting has been cancelled apparently um for obvious reasons 
um, I really do hope that it leads to um, productive discussion and, uh, and furthering this conversation because clearly from based on this action, it's something that needs to happen. And so I just wanted to share the story um, because I'm, I'm such a, I just, I don't understand the, the concept of racism is so incomprehensible to me that I am just willing to do whatever it takes. I am support in support of whatever it takes to dismantle um, racist systems. And honestly, I've seen like the concept of white supremacy is so obviously about power and not about fact, just based on the actions and behaviors of so many terrible, terrible white people. Um, this is obviously a touchy subject. It's difficult to talk about, but like it, I don't even understand growing up. I never had to, I never really had to confront this as an issue being a white person with white parents. Um, I was fairly sheltered, but my parents never had any kind of like, it was, it was not so much that, um, that I was brought up racist and had to change or anything like that. It was just, um, it was just never brought up as an issue. And so growing up, I, I had no reason to think that any people of any race were less than others. And so finding out basically when I left home that this was as big of an issue as it was, um, always, it continues to this day to strike me as being such a backwards, um, literally incomprehensible thing. And there's not, I feel, I do feel like there's not much, there's, there's simultaneously not much I can do about it and so much I should be doing about it. Um, but it feels like continuing to have these conversations, continuing to talk about systemic racism, continuing to talk about white supremacy is is one of the most important things we can do. And just pointing out something being racist, pointing out something being biased whenever you see it um, is so important. And so I'm going to leave this episode here for now. But um, I do want to keep talking about this. Um, this is just such a this is a perfect, like I said in, before in the episode, this is a perfect encapsulation of what systemic racism looks like and what white supremacy looks like. And um, I will talk to you tomorrow, hopefully about something a little lighter. But honestly, this is so important. There was no way I could not talk about it. Um, thanks very much for listening. Bye. Bye.